Thank you, Miss Snow. Appreciate you. Miss Currier and Brother Steve are out. Uh, they're kind of a vacation slash wedding deal they're doing. So pray for them uh, as they uh, travel. Um, appreciate them as well. Uh, so turn in your Bible. We'll go back and finish. I thought I was going to finish this up, uh, but I think we'll just finish tonight this matter uh, that we've been looking at some about being a friend. And so let's turn to... Uh, Let's turn to John chapter number 15 and let's begin there and just kind of um, finish this uh, thought up that I've had. Uh, the focus, generally speaking, at least for me and my intention of preaching it, has been more of how can I be the kind of friend to others that the Bible expects me to be. Uh, much more than a, assessing what kind of friends people are to me. That's generally how we look at things, but that's not really generally the focus of Scripture. Uh, and we'll see that even Jesus was the same way. Um, you know, it was, it was very little that he allowed you to have much concern for what others were doing. He generally was always telling them, why don't you just worry about yourself? What is it if he remained until I come again? Remember with, with Peter there and John. Uh, so and he t he's going to tell us again when we get on into some of these verses and just remind us um, of some things. So, so the focus here is being really how can we be a good friend? And I have had since I've started this, uh, message I've had more what I'm going to call opportunities. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The Lord gives you opportunities to live out what you've been preaching or what you've been listening to, what you've been hearing preached. And so I've had more opportunities of, well, this is how they've done me. So you know what? And then I thought, no, I've been standing up there preaching to people that you have to love people in spite and be good to them. So I've just, God has given me many blessed opportunities to live this out over the past couple of weeks. This is not easy. The flesh's response to being mistreated is to mistreat. Jesus said that. You know, he said, you've heard of your law this. But what I'm bringing, grace and truth, is what I'm saying is do good to your enemies, be good to them, love them, pray for them, even those that despitefully use you. And so this is not easy living, but it's right. And uh, we don't get to treat others based on how they treat us. We're not at liberty to do that, though I understand it and though I often my flesh wants to. Somebody say amen to that. Um, but uh, we can't do that. That's not what the Lord left us with because if he treated us how we deserve to be treated, we'd all be in hell. And so he left us that great example. Uh, he was the dearest friend to those while he's alive. As the Bible said, having loved his disciples, he loved them to the end. Uh, and that didn't mean his love ended. That means his earthly ministry ended, right? He still engaged as our dearest friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So we began looking at this uh, and we looked at a good friend. If you're going to be a good friend to others, though there is in essence some things in here about uh, that we looked at some things we need to stay away from certain types of folks, uh, violent people and things like that. The focus is more on us. We need to be pure. We can't be a good friend if we're not pure. Uh, we've got to understand we allow sin in our lives. It affects everybody around us. Uh, when, we, when we walk away from God, when we uh, quit uh, God's church, when we uh, get discouraged, when we get uh, to a place where we're, whatever the case is, allow sin into our life, it affects those around us. And you cannot be a good friend to others when you're weighing them down with all of your sin, right? So um, uh, to be a good friend to others, we need to be pure, we need to be wise, we need to be prudent, principled, uh, we need to be private and persistent. And somebody gave me a new one instead of planted. We're using permanent now. A friend that sticketh closer than a brother. A friend loveth at all times, right? And we looked at that. And a good friend ought to be peaceful. Um, and a good friend is often piercing. An open rebuke is better than a secret love. And in Proverbs 27, we looked at that a good friend should be passionate, you know, with hearty counsel. And then polishing, iron sharpening iron, a good friend is also promoting in Ecclesiastes. And then we ended, though this is the most important, in John chapter number 16, that a good friend will pray. A good friend, if you want to be a good friend to others, you must pray for them. And so we need to have a prayer life, not just for ourselves, though our prayers are often selfish, 
We need to have a consistent and faithful prayer life for the sake of others. And uh, so we kind of ended there uh, and looked at that. And then now we'll pick back up here. Uh, in John chapter number 15, and this is a very uh, famous portion of scripture here, and so let's read it together. Uh, start in chapter uh, 15, verse number, well, it started verse number one, um, because it's good. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, I don't like that verse. But it's as true as any other verse in your Bible. Well, God, I'm doing so-and-so. Yeah, God wants more out of you. Is that what it's saying? If you don't bring forth any fruit, but even the ones that are bringing forth fruit, you know what he wants? He wants more fruit out of you. It's good. Thank the Lord for that. Now, you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide in me, not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, is withered. Men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Boy, isn't that just an amazing verse? Does anybody here tonight have any doubts of how much God loved the Son? And that same love He has to you. As the Father has loved me, I've loved you. Shame on us that the cycle stops there. It shouldn't, should it? That's where we're getting. So the Father loved me. This is what Jesus said. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. The same quality, the same quantity, the exact love in which the Father has loved me, I'm loving you with that love. Now, in return, I want you to love others. Is that what he's going to say? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment. You can hang all the law on this, right? That you love one another as I have loved you. Don't love others as you seem fit to love them. That will often come short of what is expected. Our love is the natural um, humanistic love is not what's being spoken of here, right? It's, he gives a specific type of love that he's talking about. The same love with I've loved you. I want you to love each other with that kind of love. A pure, holy, faithful, righteous love. Isn't that good? And so that's what I want you to do. I want you to love one another. As I have loved you. That's why we often say, uh, you know, and I make comments like that is how, uh, you know, you can't, we can't quit each other because God never quit us. Charity never faileth. And so we can't give up on each other. I can't just be done with you. And No, that's not how I was loved. God's never just said, I'm done with you. No more fellowship. I'm done. It's over. That's never happened. He is going, if he has to kill me, he's going to restore the fellowship. He's going to do everything necessary to have me and him walking in good relation because he loves me. And so that's the kind of love he wants me to have to others. And Lord, help us how we fail at that. Or I can at least say fail at that. But that's the expectation. That ye love one another as I have loved you. And so he'll go on and give us verse 13. How, what kind of love is this? This is a, a love that's so supreme, so, so contrary to nature. It really is. Sacrificing is contrary to your nature, your human nature. Your body is even built to survive and take care of itself. No man yet hateth his own flesh, right? But feeds it and nourishes it. Now, I don't, but some of y'all eat too much. And uh, you feed it and nourish it. I always eat real nutritious stuff and stay in good shape, Brother Reed. And uh, that's a good deacon right there that'll agree with you when you lie. No, I'm kidding. 
And so no man yet hates his own flesh, but he nurses it and cherishes it. He loves it. And, 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 and uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's natural for us uh, to when we're offended to offend. When somebody hurts me to hurt them back. Well, you, you've never called me, so I'm not going to call you. You've never checked on me. I'm not going to check on you. You've never come helped me at my house. You've never done nothing for me. I'm not going to help you. That's natural. That's what people do in the flesh. But that's not what Christians do. What did you have to offer Jesus that caused him to come and die for you? You had nothing. You were morally bankrupt to God when Christ died for you. He done it contrary to you. He done it in spite of you. He done it because he is love. Because he loved you. And so that's what he is exhorting us to do. It's not, it's more than just a, well, I love everybody. Well, do you? Because hereby perceive we the love of God. This is first John. Right? You can perceive love. So let us sure, let us not love in word only, but in deed and in truth. So you can say, well, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love. But that's kind of where the Bible said, look, you'd be better off to openly rebuke than what you call this secret love. This private love that nobody knows about but you. Well, I really love people. Well, you could have fooled all the rest of us. <laughs> You're not doing nothing with it. Right? Is everybody okay? So, so he's exhorting, and that's natural. It's natural for us to take care of ourselves, to care for our family, me and my four and no more, and that's about it. And that's all, at the end of the day, that's about all. That's natural. People do that. Well, what Christ is exhorting us to do is to love how he loved, right? He loved his enemies. Were you an enemy before God saved you? Sure you were. Alienated in your mind. We work. He loved you and he died for you, even his enemies. So he set the example. As I have loved, and so greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Now, uh, 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 he set the example, and so God is not telling us that I should die for you. God doesn't need any more sacrifices. He was the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. All that's been taken care of in Christ. God was perfectly satisfied with the payment of his son when he died on Calvary. God now says, present your body a living sacrifice. So what he wants me to do is live for you by dying for you. It takes me dying to live for you. So what are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Have you been saved any length of time? I have to die. I have to be like Christ who said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It's an inconvenience to love people. It's inconvenient to do so. It's inconvenient to help people. It's inconvenient to forgive them. You know what would feel better? Somebody help me here, Brother Reed. I've been here two years. Now I want somebody to finish this sentence. Smack them. Thank you. What would make me feel better is to just smack them one good time. <laughs> Aren't you glad God don't smack you one good time? And so, I'm being joking, but I need to be serious, uh, but trying to lighten the mood here. And so, uh, the, so, so uh, often, uh, it, is, it is inconvenient for us uh, to forgive, even when that person, knowing that they've hurt you, refuses to even ask you to forgive them. Anybody ever had that happen? They know that you were offended. Somebody even told them that you were offended by what they'd done, and they refused to even ask you to forgive them. They don't even care enough about you to want your forgiveness. That's the reality of, of, of a lot of people. Even people sitting in Baptist churches, fundamental Baptist churches. And so what are you going to do with that? Well, I'll tell you what, since they're not going to forgive me, and they're not going to, and I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll never speak to them again. Good job. Proud, I'm so proud of you. Yes, I can see Jesus up there going, man, you showed them. Aren't you glad that Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them. They know. You know how many of them asked Jesus to forgive them? Not a one of them did. So you might have to forgive people that don't even want your forgiveness. But if you don't, as a Christian, I promise you it will affect you. It won't hurt them. They're obviously so cold they wouldn't know God if they walked up to them and smacked them. Somebody that low down sorry? 
But don't sink down into where they are. Love them, somebody, and somebody was telling me a message was preached on this, and I, I never know it, but I've always just thought in these terms. Somebody has to end the childish cycle of I get you, you get me, and back and forth. Somebody's got to grow up and be the Christian and say, look, I forgive you whether you love me or not, whether you ever forgive me or not, whether you ever restore fellowship on your end or not. I want to tell you, I love you, I forgive you, and you're not going to stop me from loving you. I'm just going to keep loving you. I'm going to keep being good to you because in spite of myself, Jesus has always done me that way. Always has done me that way. And so, I want to be that kind of person for someone else. And so, John 15, he leaves us this great example. He said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So how do we do that? Well, I have to sacrifice those things that are best for me. And, and we always think in terms of things, but think in terms of emotion. There's a lot of things you have to sacrifice yourself. You have to lay that part of your, you have to lay your life down for your friends. It's not always best for you to do some of the things you're doing for other people. Here, down here. But I promise you, God's not unrighteous. Forget your work and labor of love which you have showed towards his name. It may be rewarded over there. So, John 15, and I'll give you kind of one more verse. I want to look at this. Well, we may, we may need to move on. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, some people don't understand this. I, I, I have people close to my life that, uh, you know, they don't, they don't understand things often. And so if I'm not at a, at a birthday party, uh, uh, they assume that I don't love them because I didn't show up to the birthday party. And... Uh, and so I'm going somewhere with this, and so just hang on here with me. And so because you didn't show up to this or that thing or this thing or that thing, can I say something? It would be easier to show up to all the family functions. I'd get a lot less attacks. But you tell me which I'd be doing better. Would I be better down here on my face praying for their family? Or would I be better at the birthday party probably saying things I shouldn't? I'll end up saying something, trying to be funny and offend somebody. That's usually how I am. I'm trying to joke with them, and then, you know, they don't—they make you mad. You, you, you say something, they get offended at you. They wish you were never there, but they attack you if you don't show up. <laughs> Somebody, please say Amen. I'm not surely I'm not the only one crazy going through this kind of stuff. And so I, and myself, I'm thinking, man, if y'all really knew, I, I do love you. I do love you. But, but I, there's no way I can love you properly. There's no way I can be the kind of friend I need to be for you if I'm not praying. So I may not always be there physically at every time. But for me to lay down my life, I must sacrifice the things that are better for me and get on my face and pray for you. That might be better than being at the birthday party. And, uh. So, uh, got to lay down your life for your friends. And that's going to be so difficult because people are, I'm telling you, even saved people are hard to love. They just are. You know, God saved me. He changed my life. I'm telling you, God changed me inside and out, buddy. God changed me. Say, hallelujah. But... I've still got a lot of ways about me that are not the easiest to love. And uh, I know the kids don't believe that. They know what a gentle giant I am. And, uh, and, uh, but uh, I'm pretty rough, ain't I, times? I can be pretty rough and harsh and, and things. I can, I can be rough. And, uh, you know, there's a progressive thing that's going on in our life as we grow in the Lord. But listen, to love people, they're not always going to satisfy you. I know it's not shocking information, but I don't know why we act surprised when people offend us. I'm surprised we're not offended more than we are. I'm surprised I can go to a church service and only offend half the people, not everybody. I'm thanking God when I get home, boy, that was a success. I said something about white privilege and about blew everybody out the other day. Oh, man, I'm just kidding. Good night. And uh, so, just, uh, it's not easy. 
It's not easy. People are so different. They're raised so differently. Their, their, their natures are so different. They're, they're just different in their people. And they're, they're going to say things that, uh, in a way, I, 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 don't, I don't mean to be this way. But, Brother Oliver, just the way that I was raised, the way that I was brought along, and this is no excuse, but I just have the tendency to be very blunt in a, in a, in a very, and it can be hurtful sometimes, the way I put things. But I, I don't mean to be, I just, that's just me. And, and, and I, I don't know how many times I've hurt my children and just, I'm not even mad at anybody. And they'll say, why are you so mad at me? And I'm like, I'm not even mad. I don't know why. I just have that way about me. But, but if you love somebody, see, you've got to learn. That doesn't excuse me ever being hateful or ever not being reflecting Christ's character. That, that, that doesn't excuse that at all. But what, what it does mean is that because I, I love you, I'm trying to learn you. I'm learning how you tick, how you move, how you think, how you operate. And I want to try to learn that so that I can best help you in the deficient areas of your life. Maybe I'm really strong in that area. Maybe I can help you be more calm. Now, I'm as calm as they get, so don't bother me with that. I stay calm. That's why I'm on two different blood pressure medicines. I'm so calm. <laughs> Just as calm as they get, Brother Ray. I don't like that laugh, that look you've got on your Just as calm as they come, ain't a Tyler? You agree with that? Everybody's watching you. Now, seriously though, come on, let's think about that. Think about it. You know how difficult that is? Do you think you've ever offended the Holy Ghost? You think you've ever grieved and quenched the Spirit of God because of how you've thought, acted, or wanted to think or act? Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost didn't just say, I'm done with you? It didn't excuse any behavior. But man, we have got to, if we're going to love people, we're going to have to lay down our life. We're going to have to sacrifice. Well, look, I don't, that kind of thing bothers me. I understand that. But you're going to just have to be bothered if you're going to love somebody. You're going to have to let that bother you and push through it and keep going and keep loving them. That's what you're going to have to do, right? It, and if you want to love as Christ love. So, no greater than a man lay down his life for his friends. So, you want to be a good friend? Then, if we're going to be a good friend to others, we're going to have to deny ourselves. That's discipleship 101. And lay down what's best for our life for our friends. And you can't do that. So I entitled this this, and I want to move quicker than this. I entitled this that, that to be a good friend, you must be personal. You can't be a good friend disengaged from someone's life. You just can't be. You, can, you just cannot be a good friend to somebody when you're completely MIA, missing in action, completely absent from their life totally. Don't tell me you love them because I doubt that be very, to be very true. Because if you do, you would be active and present in their life. Is that right? Well, I try to be, but they just bother me. Well, you probably bother a lot of people. Some people haven't took a look, long look in the mirror of God's Word to see they're not as good as they think they are. They have this idea about themselves like, well, I, I don't want to deal with, with Brother Cyrus over here because he's always this and he's always that. And I just don't want anybody to bring me down. So I'm just going to leave him over here and I'm just going to go over here. Have you ever took a look, long look in the mirror at yourself? You're not nearly as good as you think you are. Hey, is that okay to say? Everybody okay? I don't want to, surely don't want to offend anybody. I'm trying to be well liked of all people. So, if you're going to be a good friend, you're going to have to be personal. And that's one of the first things I recognize in somebody's life when they're not doing well is when they start withdrawing from their friends. You tell on yourself when you ain't doing good spiritually. And so, so here's what I'm saying. It's easy to be critical at how others are attempting to help others when you're completely missing in action and absent from the life of everybody. Name me the last person that you ever tried to do anything nice for. So you can criticize how somebody else is doing it. Well, I tell you what, I wouldn't be doing this way, I wouldn't be doing that way. Well, that's easy to say from somebody who does nothing. Now, somebody told me the other day, and I'm not going to tell you who said it, but they said, you do some of the best preaching when you're a smart aleck. <laughs> oh, don't encourage that kind of behavior. I'm trying to be like Christ. 
Now that didn't cost nothing extra. You know where that came from. Okay, listen. So we're going to lay down our life for our friends. And we're going to have to push through. And we're going to have to be offended. And I'm not going to, I'm not, by the grace of God, I am not going to allow an offense to come in and drive me away over something like that. You can't let that happen. If you do that, you're not going to be able to be friends with nobody. Right? And so the idea is, and so let's move on to this next one. So, uh, uh, and John did this. Remember in John in Revelation, he said, I'm your companion in tribulation. Boy, he proved that, didn't he? He was Peter's companion in tribulation. He proved it. And he wrote a letter in the epistle of the, of the book of the Revelation. He wrote in that epistle, he said that I am your, fellow, your, um, your uh, companion and brother in tribulation. I'm your fellow companion. I'm your, that's just friendship. That's just word friendship. That's just brotherhood. I'm your brother in tribulation. I'm, as you're suffering, I'm suffering with you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I, 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 I'm not going to let you just suffer alone. If it inconveniences me, I'm going to come be with you. I'm going to lay my life down, and I'm going to be friends with you. I'm going to be your companion in tribulation. That's what he says here in, in Revelation 1, uh, chapter number 1, verse 9. And, and, and you know what else he did? You know, you know what else he did? Now, now, the Holy Ghost is moving him to do it, but you know what else he did? He communicated. Now, now, some people say, well, that's not in my nature to do that. Well, you and your nature are wrong. How would you like if Jesus never communicated with you? Jesus never told you he loved you. He never t- showed you he cared for you. He never wrapped his arms around you. He never done. What, what if Jesus treated you the way you treat other people? Isn't that a terrible thought to think? There'd be very few people that would feel very loved if that was the case. It'd be the little clique that I like to run around with, and I pretty much, you know, uh, have this uh, one or two little group, and, uh, you know, I try to show them, hey, listen, uh, aren't you glad that, uh, that Jesus doesn't have any favorites? Now, we've got to move on. We've got, we got some more of that. Let's, let's do this quickly. Okay, turn to Colossians. We're going to do this quick. Colossians chapter number 3, and uh, we're going to come back to the book of Luke and, and, and get a couple of things here. Colossians chapter number 3, and let's look at what else a good friend should be. So a good friend should be personal. A good friend uh, is communicating. Uh, he's on a, uh, and he's uh, personally engaged. I believe Brother Brian uh, used uh, this the other day uh, when I was at Brother Eagles listening to him preach. He used this, uh, uh, one of his points was, you must be, uh, do you remember it, Cam? Do you remember exactly how he put it? He had it alliterated. But basically he was saying that you must be uh, uh, involved in their life. And he was, he was using uh, how, how that God can use these hands uh, to minister to others. And that was the, that was the message he had preached. Uh, but one of his, one of his um, uh, points was that, that he was involved, that you must be involved personally in the lives of others. You're going to have to do that. And, uh, and you're going to have to personally be involved in their life. And uh, um, that's, that's how Jesus was. And now let's look at the next point. We, a, a good friend ought to be pardoning. Now this one uh, uh, in, uh, in Colossians chapter 3, and then we're going to flip back over. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 13. Look at this verse. Put on therefore as the elect of God, verse 12, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. I like to let that sink in a little bit because that's put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on bowels of mercies. You're going to have to be merciful to other people. You're going to have to be kind to people. You're going to have to be humble. You're going to have to be meek and you're going to have to suffer long with people. Does anybody else get put out with people that don't learn quick? The Lord surely, surely is long-suffering to us, would it believe? And look at verse 13. Forbearing one another. I know a lot of people have to do this for me. They forbear one another in love. Isn't that a good thing? But now look at this next part because a good friend ought to be pardoning. Forbearing one another and what? Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any... Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. 
So, again, we're not thinking about... Now, we're going we're gonna to turn and look at this. I'm going to get ahead of myself. But I'm not... I'm, I, I, when, I, when I read these passages and I think about these verses... I'm not to be thinking, that's how, yeah, that's right, God. You better tell Tyler, boy, he's not been forgiving to me. You got him, get him. That's not the purpose. The purpose is not, God will deal with Tyler. What God's helping me with, that's how I ought to be. Am I holding grudges? Am I not forgiving you? That's the question. So don't let your mind go to, yeah, see, they ought to forgive me. No, 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 no. God will deal with them and shame on any person that claims to know Jesus and won't be forgiven. But I have to be forgiven. I've got to be the kind of person that's forgiven to others. That's the, that's the message. So if you want to be a good friend and you want to accurately reflect the friendship that you have with Christ, if you want to be that kind of friend to others, you're going to have to be quick to forgive them. Even if they don't ask you. Now, we're going to turn back because I want to look at something quick. And we're going to turn back. So here we have just one of many verses we could use that we ought to be forgiven one another. Now, turning back to Luke chapter number 17. I hate not to get all of this. I'm trying to move. Let's see. Now, remember, it's just so much. We just come from chapter 16. So get, get, get the context. This is Christ. He's, he's just gave them one of the most disturbing pictures, I believe, in the Bible. Would you say so? There's a rich man that fares sumptuously every day who's a beggar now because... Let's not... So he just gets done... Dealing with Lazarus and the rich man and dealing with hell. Now that's about as serious as they come. What happened in the story? You know the story. He was laid at his gate every day and what did he do? He just wanted to concentrate. What did the rich man do? He did nothing. And now he's the one begging, send somebody to tell my family that they might repent and not come to this awful place of torment. Hey, in fact, though I wouldn't help Lazarus, please pray that Lazarus will come and bring just a tip of his finger and dip it on my tongue to just relieve for a moment the suffering and the torment of the flames of hell. That's where every person that doesn't know Jesus is going to a lake of fire. Now, he comes off the heels of chapter 16 and he's telling them about hell and he's telling them about this rich man who could have done something, who could have had love in his heart, who could have helped Lazarus, who could have been that way. But when he died, he woke up in hell. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. And Lazarus was carried into Abraham's bosom, which is up there now. Hallelujah. But, so, I wonder what kind of man Abraham had to be for him to reference paradise as Abraham's bosom. Okay. So, you come off the heels of that in, in chapter 16, and he's, Jesus basically says, and he said unto him, if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, they're not going to be persuaded if they rose, one rose from the dead. So he wanted, he wanted a miracle to happen. Somebody raised up. and Anybody ever heard Brother Mike Rue preach? Somebody go tell my brother. Brothers, boy, what a mess. Sometimes it's a little bit too late to get a burden for your family. Now, anyway. So he comes off the heels of that. And he starts in chapter 17. And he said, then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. I can't help but think he's not talking about the offense that Lazarus suffered from the rich man. Why would he not? In context, you keep going back. I don't know what else he could be saying. That doesn't really matter or make a difference in interpretation. but But it is important to get in our mind the context. Why does he go from hell into offenses will come? And and I think it's just following up on the heels of the story. This is what he expects out of Lazarus. This is what he expects out of me and you. Offenses are going to come. You're going to be hurting and people are not going to help you when they could help you. And in fact, some of the people that, well, so 
That filter's kicking in. So he comes off the heels of that and he says, okay, now listen, it is impossible that offenses won't come. They are going to come. I promise you, you're going to be offended. And woe to who, for who the offenses do come. Rich man. It'd be better than to offend the little old Lazarus. Now, we use that in context of talking about children. But I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I think in context, it's probably talking about spiritually, speaking me and you even. It would have been better for a millstone to be hanged about his neck than to offend one of these little ones. Now, I'm not going to argue with anybody. It's fine if he does. I'm just thinking of the context. He comes off the heels of Lazarus. I, I mean, he could have been talking about Lazarus. Woe to the offense how he's offended. So he says, woe to who they do come, but they are going to come. It'd be better if the millstone be hanged about his neck than defend one of these little ones. Now follow with me. That should be verse 2. Look at verse 3. Take heed to yourself. Now hold on a minute. Take heed to myself. I wasn't the one that offended anybody. Jesus, shouldn't you be saying, take heed to Take heed, man, that done me wrong. No, he said, take heed to yourself. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We need to focus more, worry less about what others are doing, and spend a lot more time worrying about taking heed to yourself. And so he said, take heed to yourselves. Read with me this next part. If thy brother trespass against thee, What? Do you know what they said? Do you know what they did? And I'm not saying he said this because he does care. He had just told us in chapter, in, in verses 1 and 2, he does care. But he cares more about how you respond to being offended than he'd made it do some that are doing the offending. Maybe the offenses were allowed just to see what you're made of and see how you were going to respond to it. How well are you doing on that grade? Are you passing that one? Maybe, he, maybe the offense was allowed to come to see how you would respond to it. So you get offended and then you start just bashing and backbiting and tearing down and screaming. And I even know some people that claim to love Jesus and they'll cuss straight, just cuss you out. Now, I don't know nothing about that. It's what they say. But you don't know what they did to me. So I, I cussed them out. How crazy are we to think Jesus has got anything to do with that mess? Amen. And, and I do like one preacher said, one, pre, one preacher said one time, he said, be careful about giving people a piece of your mind. You don't have much to spare. That's right. <laughs> Everybody okay? Amen. So you're offended, okay? I understand you're offended. I know all about being offended. In fact, the people closest to me in my life have been some of the people that have hurt me the most. In fact, when you love somebody a lot, those are the ones usually offend you, don't they? I usually don't. I don't care if Biden likes me or not. I just really don't care. I know you do, Brother Nathan. You really like Biden very good. No, I'm kidding. Right? You understand what I'm saying? I, I, don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't have much. To, but when you really love somebody, you, you care a lot. It hurts deep. I understand being offended. I understand it. But here's what Jesus said when you're offended. Take heed to yourself. What do you mean? Well, let's read what he said. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespassed against thee, don't say nothing to him out of fear of hurting his feelings or anything else. Just don't say nothing to him. Call everybody else. Tell them what he did to you and make sure you destroy his reputation. Now, that's not what I read. But hey, we, some of us have been done that way, haven't we? Yeah. Haven't we? Yeah. Some people, I don't know what Bible they're reading. Well, let's not go down that road. Let's, not, let's just move on. So take heed to yourself. You've been offended. Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Well, wait a minute. You're not supposed to do that. That's contrary. That's not, I don't like confrontation. Get over it. I don't know what to tell you. The Bible said, rebuke him. Whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Yeah, see, if you, if you don't say anything to him, 
then you know what's going to happen? They're just going to go on thinking they got by with it. And you know what? They might do something to somebody down the road and hurt them too. And if you love them, an open rebuke is better than a secret love. Rebuke them. I don't know where we've lost that. In friendships, it's like, it's like somehow if you disagree with me and how I'm thinking or what I'm doing, that, that we're not friends anymore. No, man, if we're friends, uh, there ought to be times if I'm missing it, if you love me, don't let me just miss it. Why didn't somebody tell me? You heard a testimony of a man who went all those years, not a person said nothing to him. Listen, if you love me, don't let me just miss it. Rebuke. Did you know there's sometimes people don't even realize they've offended you? My mannerisms, Brother Reed, the way I operate, just so I don't even mean to, but on an average day, there's no telling how many people I offend. You know how many people I intended to offend? None. I'm not trying to hurt people. So these things are going to happen. Say something about it. You know what's going to happen a lot of times if you don't? You'll let it build, 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 and build, and it'll get to a point you'll explode, and you'll just lose it. Don't do that. Just say something about it. Say, hey, brother, you know you hurt my feelings about something. I know it's silly. You probably didn't mean it, but that kind of hurt me. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? I, I don't think there's anyone. Just, just say so. Don't, you don't have to just uh, let it happen. Now, now let's move on because that's not really, I, I want to go on past that. Okay, if thy brother trespasses against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Now, so far, I don't have a lot of trouble. I've had some people come to me and ask me to forgive them. I'm thinking, Lord, if they knew, if they knew about how, they don't have to apologize to me. I'm such a man. Most of us are like that. I'm okay this far. It's that seven times 70 in a day that I got a problem with. Because here's how I was raised. If you were really sorry about it, you wouldn't do it again the same day. It at least lasts a week, maybe two or three days if you were really sorry. Why would you do the same thing again five minutes later? If you really meant it, then you would not do it anymore. Is that how most of us think? And I don't know, that may be the truth. Maybe they don't mean it. My job is not to evaluate whether they mean it or not. I'm obligated to forgive them seven times 70 in a day if I claim to be saved. But hey, you can roam the community and preach the Bible, pastor churches, never forgive nobody. Do you know you can do that? God will never bless it, but you're welcome to try it if you want to. I know what I'm saying. Hallelujah. I'm tired of seeing people get by with this mess. They ought to be rebuked for what they're doing. And shame on any Christian that won't forgive another Christian. Is that clear enough? Is that thing working? If I brother trespass again, see, forgive them. Now look next. Let's, let's go quick. Oh, all right, let's do this. All right, so take heed to yourself. Rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again to him and saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Is everybody okay with that? Some people aren't. You've got to, they've got to be convinced somehow that you'll mean it. I don't think God's going to spare you at the judgment seat for being unforgiving because you weren't able to evaluate somebody's intent of their heart. That is the one thing you're instructed not to judge. You realize that? The Bible commands you to judge. You're supposed to judge. But you don't judge scruples, things that are not mentioned in scriptures that are gray areas, and you don't judge the intent of the heart. We judge righteous judgment. I don't know why you did something. I can't see your heart. All I can see is what you did. But I don't know why you did it. That's why the Bible said, God looketh upon the heart. He's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's dividing the joint marriage. That's the word of God, not me. Hallelujah. I'm making so many friends now, brother. It's unreal. I'm going to have them beating my door down and be friends with me. Now we got to go. Look here. Say, well, they didn't forget. Hey, forget about all that. I know how. I know all that. Here's what we can do, though. We can be the kind of Christian we're supposed to be, right? Well, they didn't forgive me. I ain't forgiving them. Yeah, we got to forgive them, don't we? What if they do it again in five minutes? Got to forgive them. 
Now, I don't like that, but that's the way it is. Can I be honest and transparent? My flesh, Brother Flint, I don't like that. But that's what the Bible said. Did you know how many times you probably offend God in a day? I'd say it's more than seven times seven. Would you think that would be about right? Do you know the thoughts, that the things that happen in your life that are probably offensive to the Holy Ghost that you don't even intend to do? There's wicked ways in your hearts about yourself you don't even know about in the ways that you offend God. <laughs> Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? Okay, so i got to forgive. Now, so, so let's go on because I, I want to look at this. When we look at, at, at chapter 17, and we'll just end it on this one. When Luke 17, um, let's, let's uh, end. Uh, so, if you check, and, and the apostles said unto him, here, here's what they said. <laughs> This is, this is how I would respond to this. And the apostles said unto the, unto the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> Does anybody else find that funny? I find that hilarious. That is just honesty. I don't know if I have enough faith. I'm going to tell you, I have forgiven that person time and time again, and they just keep hurting me. They've got to be doing it on purpose by now. Seven times in the day, if they repent, turn and forgive them. And you know what they say? Oh, me. That's kind of what that meant right there. Lord, you better increase our faith. <laughs> I don't know if I've got enough faith to do that. Now, if you'll give me the jawbone, of the, I'll go slay a few. But forgive them for all that. Increase our faith. It takes faith to do that because the outcome's not going to be what you want it to be. You've got to believe God that God's going to take care of the situation. And I'm forgiving them not because they deserve it. Not because God doesn't forgive you because you deserve it. He forgives you for Christ's sake. Amen. Is that what the book said? Yes. So, we're going to forgive. Right? And uh, now, this look, uh, well, let me, let me just keep it. So, and... and uh, uh, here's, how, here's what I want to go to because I want to look at one other thing then we'll stop. So the Lord said unto them, if you had faith of the grain of the mustard seed, you might say to the sick mind tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea and it shall obey you. But which of you having a, a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go sit down at me. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Verse number nine, doth he think that the servant, because he did the things that were commanded him, excuse me, doth he think that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him, I trow not, I, I believe not, I suppose not, I know not. I, 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 that's what that, that word there means, I think not. And so verse number 10, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which is our duty to do. Now that's not very nice. I should be patted on the back for as good as I've been. That's how most of us think in this day, don't we? Oh, we just need encouraged. I've heard that until I want to vomit. We just need encouraged. Encouraged for what? Doing what you are commanded to do? I'm not being ugly. Please, God, God knows my heart. I'm not trying to be ugly, folks, but come on. Encouraged for what? I've had my kids say that. Well, say something encouraging. Do something encouraging then. I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm not going to encourage you for doing bad stuff on your cell phone. I'm not going to encourage you because you won't be faithful to do what you're commanded to do. Here's what Jesus said. When you have done what you've been commanded, here's what you ought to say about yourself. I'm still unprofitable. I've broke even. I've not gone above and beyond, and I'm not in the hole. So if you're not forgiving others, you're in the hole, friend. You're not even broke even. You're in the negative. Well, I need somebody to encourage me. Well, I'm encouraging you now. I'm preaching to you. Forgive people. Now, we're done with this. And it came to pass, he went, no, let's, let's do, now I want you to turn back. I want you to go to chapter 14. I want to look at something else. Because I want us to get just an idea when I when I when I get done with this, when I when I when I've been thinking about this, I, I don't think we're as we're not gonna be able to soften things down to a degree to make rebels accept what this Bible teaches. It's not going to make people that are rebellious to the Word of God accept it by us making it watered down to a degree where they can't accept it. 
So some people get upset, well, I wouldn't put it like that. Well, I wouldn't have put it like that, like Jesus just said. I wouldn't have called a lady a dog that came to me asking for bread, would you? So we ought to be careful in our judgments of how people are doing things, shouldn't we? Well, I just don't respond to that kind of thing. Well, you better learn to respond to it. Because you don't get to dictate how God feeds you, do you? Need encouraged for what? What do you mean, encourage you if you're listening to filthy rap music? You want me to encourage you for that? Exhort you for how the Holy Ghost ought to be thrilled with that filth. Let me encourage you for that. Would that be encouraging? Encouraging Christians for sending pictures, nude pictures to each other. Should I be encouraging for that? Those are the same people that, that will attack us for how we dress seem to quite easily forget all the filthy fornication and filthy stuff they did on their phone. But we're the bad people. Is that okay? Can we preach here for just a minute? Used to, you could just preach. You see, you can just drop the plow and just preach, and wouldn't everybody get so hurt over it? We need Bible preaching. Amen. And this is what this book said. The book said, if you don't forsake everything that you have, you cannot be my disciple. Amen. Well, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Not if you're not forsaking all, you're not. That's what he said. I didn't say that. You might be doing better than me. Well, I can't figure out why. I just can't seem to get out of this hole. Well, because look at all the filth you're involved with and look at where everything else that's seated on the throne of your heart where Christ should be. You got to forsake all that. It's not all money. That's what we think. We think he's talking about money. And he's not, I don't even think that's probably half of what he's saying. Everything else comes before church. I'm amazed at what people will miss church for. Listen, it ought to bother you that it doesn't bother you to miss church for three months. That ought to bother you. I know nothing of a Christian. When I got saved, God put a burden and a love and a burning in my heart for the Word of God and the church of God. I know nothing of a salvation experience that turns you to the world. That doesn't love God's people. But we're afraid to say that because there's so many people live like that, they might not come back. Newsflash, they don't care nothing about us anyway. As soon as they walk out of here, they just bashed us to everybody. And I'm tired of watering it down, trying to not offend people that don't believe the Bible. We're so soft these days. Used to, you could just preach. And that, listen, this is what's happening to our young people. We've watered the message down. You can fornicate and sing specials. You can vape. You're about as dumb as a box of rocks to inhale that mess into your lungs. Oh, how I love Jesus. I wonder if that'd be true if we picked your phone up and saw all those Instagram messages that hide themselves. If it's so right, young people, why are you having to hide it and make it disappear so your parents can't see it? It's a rule in my house. If it's disappeared, I'm assuming it was wrong. And I'm going to treat you as though you did something wrong. Everybody okay? So I don't like this kind of preaching. You can go right down the road. They will never say nothing like this. And you, you can all just get in there. You can kick the black lights on. And you can jam out to Jesus. My co-pilot. If that's what you want, you don't fit anyhow. Go on. You're being mean. I don't care. I'm sick and tired of trying to water things down to keep people around. If you don't like that, just find you a place where you fit in. Get in and serve with them and love those people because you sure don't love us. Hallelujah. When God saved me, this is just what he put in my heart. This is just all I know. I, all, listen, folks, all I know is a complete abandonment of everything that you want and desired in life and an abandoning yourself to the Son of God. And everything in the world can't come between you and doing right for God. You, you, we say that we love him, but everything in our life comes before God. Everything comes before him. 
It's, 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 it's unbelievable. The, the amount of time that, that we waste and we spend before even reading our Bible, we don't pray. We'll let, we'll let anything come between us and God. And then we'll try to find verses to excuse it with. Listen, I'm as thankful for grace and love as the next man, but I'm tired of using that as an excuse to be sorry. We've got people sitting in our churches, made some little old profession when they was one or two. Their life has never changed for God. They're involved in some of the most disgusting field. I wouldn't even say it from the pulpit. And they attend independent fundamental Baptist churches. That's not salvation. I don't care if anybody in here likes that. God doesn't save a man and leave his heart turned to filth. When God saves a man, he puts the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And I'm not saying you can't mess up. I'm not saying you can't make mistakes, friend. But I'm saying there's a love. There's a change. Brother Sammy used to say it was like liquid love. God will pour into your heart. But we've tried to convince people to hold on to some little old flimsy profession. So I don't like this kind of preaching. I'm tired of not preaching it because you don't like it. The only salvation that I know so radically changed my life. And I've been a sorry Christian, Brother Snow. I've been about as sorry as they come, but I'm telling you, God changed my life. I'm not saying I've never heard something I shouldn't listen to. We go out to eat, Cam, you know it. I'm as transparent with you young people. as There's there's hardly anything some of y'all don't know about me. And I'll say we're sitting at Taco Bell and they'll start that Skinnered stuff. I'll be the first one to start to tap my feet to it. And you know what I'd say, Brother Oliver? We got to go. We got to go. I can't listen to this stuff. So what, I, what I'm trying to say is, man, listen, what I'm trying to tell you, God, Lord, help me. I can't get the words out. I just... It just grieves me so much to see people to just overtaken by lives of sin when there's a way out. When when God saved me, he poured love in my heart, but he changed my life progressively. I'm not saying overnight. I'm not saying in a twink of an eye. And I was, it's been years and I've still got more problems. You know, Carter's got oat pills. Never understood what that meant. Where's Carter and what are oat pills? I don't know. These old timers had to explain it to you. I'm still too young, but I heard it one time. So I like to say it. Am I telling the truth? Does your daddy have problems? Sure I do. Does your husband have problems? Go ahead. God's going to get you. Brother Billy, my poor wife married a mess of a man. And my flesh is a mess. But God did something to me that night. You listen to me. God did something to me that night. And I don't always listen to it, but there's a still small voice at work in my life. Amen. Amen. Do you have that tonight? You know what bothered me? My wife should have never married me. She did it in ignorance and unbelief, I think. We're done. We got to go home. We got TV shows to watch and eat and got to talk bad about people and stuff. You know, we got a lot to get to do tonight. Hey, I felt meaner than this this morning. Be glad Brother Willis come. I'm being serious. We got to go home. I, I, people show. Listen. I, well, we do need to go home. There's no... Can I, can I say something to you? And I, I, I want you to believe the Bible. I, not everybody's experience is the same. Please, you can't, you can't judge your salvation based on my experience. Y'all know how I believe about that stuff. Please, you've got to believe the Bible. Let God speak to you through His Word. I'm not trying. But I, I, maybe this might help you. Maybe it'll relate some to. I remember, Brother Allen, I think we've talked about it. Uh, 
I remember when my wife and I, when I was lost, man, I remember I would do things, sinful things, and I wanted my wife to go with me, say, somewhere. And somebody's going to make fun of this, but our, our anniversary every year fell on the same time that George Jones would be up at the Country Night Theater in Pigeon Forge, and we'd go every year. Now, please don't go listening to George Jones. Something smart Alex said the other day. I'm glad you turned me on to him. I've been listening to it. <laughs> Somebody will smack you for that. But, uh, and so, uh, you know, I would do sinful things. And I'd ask my wife, Brother Oliver, I'd say, well, why won't you? She'd say, I can't do that. God, what would God think if I did that? Amen. I just can't do that stuff. And I thought, well, I'm a Christian too, and I don't care what God thinks about what I'm doing. So I, just, I didn't know any. I thought I'd say. But I could have cared less what God thought about what I was doing. Now, that is not the mark of a saved person. As long as daddy don't find out, as long as mama don't find out, as long as the law don't find out, you'll worry a whole lot less about that. And you'll start thinking, oh, God, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Amen. And my wife in her heart, she had the Holy Ghost in her. She said, I can't do that stuff. And it was a rebuke to me. She was, there was something different. She had something I didn't have. But you know what? When God saved me, Hunter, I know exactly what she's talking about now. I can't think, I can't listen to that stuff. I can't do this. I can't say that because God's in me. I've got a treasure, an earthen vessel. I can't do it. I mean, I can do it. Don't get me wrong. I can do it. I mean, there's somebody there saying, whoa, don't do that. That person wasn't there before. Some people say, well, I was saved. That's how, that's how I know the difference. And I was never saved. I wasn't saved and then I backslid. I was never saved because I never had the Holy Ghost in me telling me nothing about what I was doing. There's no pricking in my heart. There was no, I didn't feel none of that. I just, I wanted to get, just do what I could do and get by with doing it. I live in close to the edges I could get by with. I wasn't thinking, well, God's displeased with this. And that was a rebuke to my life. Aren't you glad God's put people in your life? Aren't you glad not everybody's just so, so, so cowardly that they just let you go on live in filth and sin and die lost without God? Aren't you glad God's put some people in your life to live in such a manner to, that's a rebuke to you? I'm, I appreciate those people. So I, I'm, maybe we'll make TikTok after this message. I don't know. We get lucky. I'm just upset they've not put me on there yet. I figured I was more popular than that. I'm joking. I don't want to be on there. Now, we got to be done. I don't want to go back to that, but let's, uh, let's just remember. Let's, let's be done with this. Uh, I, we may come back to it. So a good friend ought to be personal. A good friend ought to be pardoning. And we already mentioned this, so I'll say this is 1 John 3, 16, a good friend. I use this word, please don't, don't, I don't like using this because it takes away from the office of Christ, but it's propitiating, laying down our lives for one another. And we'll stop there because I've got several more that a good friend, if you want to be a good friend, you ought to be, but we don't have time to do that tonight. But can I ask you, they're going to come to the instruments, and Brother Reed's going to sing a song, a little verse of invitation. And... Uh, and uh, I just want to ask you two questions quickly. I think the Lord had me to ask. But have you forgiven those in your life that you love and you say are your friends? Because here, here, here's where I was going to go. Have y'all got just a minute? I know you show start here in just a minute. Hold on just one minute. I'm just kidding. Here's where I was going to go. You remember, you remember when man asked, he, asked Jesus... When he seek to justify himself, he said, yeah, but who is my neighbor? Anybody remember that? Yes. You know, Jesus never answered that question. You know that, right? Jesus never told him who his neighbor was because that's the wrong question to ask. It's kind of like this. Well, well who do I got to be friends to, Brother Clem? That's kind of what the same, he was preaching a message, and then he, so he asked him, seeking to justify himself, said, well, then who is my neighbor? And he goes on to tell him a story and he starts talking to him. And the, the question is not who is your neighbor, but, ha, but, but it's, it's not who, but what. Yes. 
So remember, he came to him and he said, there was these that one come by. There's, a, there's the scribes and the Pharisees. He was, and he was telling, I believe it was a lawyer who saw, you see to justify himself. But he said he'd come through and one would pass by him because he saw and he wouldn't do nothing for him. And then the next one come by and he wouldn't do anything for him. And then the next one he said, but a Samaritan come by. And remember the good Samaritan, he come by and he fed him. And then when he took him to that person, he said, listen, if, if there's more that, that he charges you uh, that it takes to care for him, I'll come back and I'll pay for it. Didn't even know the man. Now, how does that equal? He wasn't saying the Samaritans were your neighbor. He wasn't answering his question with who his neighbor was. That's the wrong question. The question is, what am I supposed to be doing to be neighborly to others? That's the question. So who is being neighborly? That's what he's saying. That's how he answered his question. Here's what you ought to be doing. Don't pass by people when you've got the means to meet. And that's what James said, doesn't he? How dwelleth the love of God in so the question tonight is, well, do I just have to forgive my neighbor? Do I just have to forgive my friend? No, the question is, well, who do I? No, how am I to be a good friend to others? That's the question. Lord, we love you. And Lord, I don't want to forget anybody that's unsaved tonight. There are people, no doubt, that have never experienced the power of God in changing and saving a life. Thank you that our assurance is not found in the experience, but thank God for the experience. Thank God for the change that you've wrought in our life. And Lord, I pray that you'd help that soul that might be near as hell tonight, that may never have experienced the salvation that God has to offer in His Son. We love you, and I pray you'd help all of us as Christians to be good friends to one another. Oh, God, how we're going to need each other in these dark days. And so, Lord, I ask you to help me to be a good friend to other people, to be faithful, to be permanent, planted, to be pure, all those things we've looked at and studied. But help me to be pardoning. Help me to be quick to forgive those that might offend me. We love you in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet. If you need to come, altars are open. He's going to sing. You come on. Let the Lord help you.